0: Welcome to the Council of Coaches podcast, where fitness professionals from around the world talk clients, marketing, technique, and generally just have some fun.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Council of Coaches podcast. I am Lindsay, and today I have uh, Fred here. Say hi, Fred. Hi, guys. And Jake. Hello. What I thought we could discuss today, guys, is how we program our sessions Um, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is you know coming from the perspective of being a new trainer um, since I have only been a certified personal trainer for less than six months now is you know so you did all that work you became a certified trainer uh, you got your first client that's great and they book their first session with you let's say it's a 30-minute session okay well what do you do like what? What exactly do you have them do in that thirty-minute session? Uh, and I feel like that's something that that I really struggled with in the beginning because, from what I could see, every trainer kind of approached this differently. Um, so yeah, I would definitely love to talk about this and get your guys's input and sort of share some of my experiences as well. Um, so yeah, does and so because also I feel like. There's a different approach depending on how much time you have with that client. So whether it's a 30-minute session, 45, or 60-minute session. Uh, so yeah, I would love to hear um, if one of you guys want to chime in with, with how, how, you guys, how you guys program.
2: So I think that most sessions when you start out are about an hour. Um, but mine typically run about 45 minutes, and then there's 15 minutes of like introductions and conclusion to the workout. Um, and one of the questions is going to be, what type of workout do you do? Do you do the full body? Do you do a split? Um, and that's dependent upon the person's goals. Um, for the most part, somebody new who's starting out, I'm going to have them do full body. And that's so that I could just assess the entire body in the way that it moves, um, we were kind of talking before this about um, how people go about progression and NASM has this OPT model. Um, I'm forgetting what it stands for, but it, it goes stabilization, um, muscle endurance, hypertrophy, muscle strength, and uh, power. And that first one stabilization is just making sure that the joints work in their proper range of motion. Cause if they don't, it's, it's likely going to end up in an injury. So that's one of the first things that I do meeting with that client. And throughout every single session, um, it's important to assess those um, complex movements.
1: Oh, 100%, Jake. No, I, I follow you. You know, And even if you're not certified through NASM, or NASM, I feel like, especially when you're talking about, you know, the general strength client, um, you know, it's because of course programming is going to be very goal specific, right? And, you know, some clients are going to come to you with, you know, I want to improve my bench press. You know, so they come to you with a very specific goal. So of course, then your sessions are going to be centered around, okay, you know, bench press itself, you know, accessory exercises that are are going to help give you more power and push with that bench press, you know, but I feel like what I know what I personally struggled with the most were the, at first, um, were the clients that came to us or came to me with, with general fitness goals, nothing specific you know, no, you know, no very specific uh, measurable goal, like, oh, I want to deadlift 200 pounds in, in 90 days or something like that. It was just, mm-hmm. I just want to feel strong. I want to, you know, have more energy, you know, I want to learn how to work out, you know, so just your, your general fitness clients, I feel like is um, that. And so that's where I feel like, we as trainers can really add our own style and flair. So, mm. uh, so Jake, so yeah, how, how do you structure? So if someone comes to you, let's say for a 60 minute session. Um, so yeah, so you're saying that you focus on full body then in the beginning with those general strength clients.
2: Yeah, for probably two to six weeks, we're going to do full body. Um, sometimes people don't want to do that. Uh, again, it, this is just the general. The general population here, um, but about two to four, two to six weeks, you're gonna do full body, and then you can move it into a split because your your endurance and your strength is getting better and stronger. And so your workout's either gonna be getting longer or um, you're just gonna be doing it for longer. So you gotta split it up into two. And usually it's upper body and lower body.
0: Yeah, so I, so I like um, the stuff like the OPT model. I find is actually um, even though I don't follow the OPT model, I actually much prefer it um, when 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 clients are more that general that when their goals are more generalized because then you have a bit more freedom to actually implement these things that you know are best. So um, I think we were talking before with the kind of uh, the stereotype example, let's say let's say a comedic example, just really exaggerated. Say somebody comes in and they say, no, I, I just want bigger biceps. I just want bigger biceps. You actually can't do what, what you know or let's go believe um, that is uh, actually best for, for them in the long run. So I quite like it when, when, when people's goals are general because you can you can take your expertise and add that into not just their, like your programming, but into their actual goals. You can give them sensible goals.
1: Yeah. I like that. It's, it sounds like Fred, you're saying that when clients come to you with those general fitness goals that through your programming, you can almost help them find a goal they want to work on. Yeah, definitely. So it's almost like maybe they didn't know that they want to work on getting bigger biceps, but after, you know, four to six weeks of working with you, they find out that they really love upper body. They're starting to see more definition in their arms. And then they actually come to you and say, Hey, can we work on some things that'll make my biceps bigger?
0: Yeah, but I also meant the other way around. So let's say, let's say they are fully committed to the biceps. Um, and, but I, but I actually know that they could do with, for example, being stronger in let's say core, let's say, you know, let, let's say that they're, 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 you know, maybe they're aging or even if not just to reduce their, their chance of injury um, in just general daily life, or let's say in the sports they do, let's say they're a footballer and they come to me as a personal trainer with the only goal of getting bigger biceps. Well, that's that's going to be something where i'm going to want to turn them around um, and say well actually there's a couple other like really really important things we could be working on here um you know that i definitely want to kind of i guess uh, you know sell them on to uh, to uh, use the wrong phrase no i hear you hmm.
1: okay so the actual nitty-gritty so you've got a client with you let's say 60 minute session so how do you guys like to approach that? Do you guys do more of like a circuit style workout? Do you stick with? Do you have a list of exercises and then you know you go through, let's say, four sets of that exercise before you move on to the next one? Like how you know what it, what, it, what are your go tos?
0: I think if it's if it's sixty minutes, then I won't do circuit style. If it's if it's less than that, then I'll look at doing circuit style. If it, if it, if it was forty five, which I don't do in person forty fives. Only body weight, uh, 45 like over, over, um, like virtual, um, or, you know, body weight plus they've sometimes got a little bit of equipment. I usually get them to buy bands, for example. Um, but yeah, let's say, let's say it's a 60 minute session. I actually won't get them doing, doing circuit or like superset style. um, because I'd rather really focus in on the way that I want them to be training, which most of the time for the vast majority of my clients isn't doing supersets. Cause I don't, I don't have a client who's like, no, I literally have 20 minutes every three days. Um, and that's all I have. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it'd be, it'd be circuits all, all the way. Um, so I, I, I like people to be able to train with rest and really focusing in on these exercises. And I think getting, there's, there's no need to get that much volume in. So it's very rare that I have anybody doing four sets of, of pretty much anything. Um, I'm, I, am i am much more in the camp of frequency over over volume. Um, But in, in a session, yeah, it will generally, generally apart from maybe with one of the big exercises, big compound exercises, it will be two sets, usually max, just so we can fit in the most amount of like exercise variation. Cause I find, I find to hit, to hit the whole body in a session, if you're doing three or four sets of everything, then that's going to be difficult.
1: Yeah. I hear you on that, Fred. Um, And that's that's actually interesting because um, most of my sessions at my gym, so I train in person um, mostly. Um, I have a few virtual clients, but the bulk of my clients are in person. And in our gym, we primarily do 30-minute sessions. So most of my clients come to see me for 30 minutes twice a week. And so with that, sort of time constraint. Um, I actually do, I do circuits. I, I rely on circuits a lot. So, um, and again, most of my clients, so again, like I I I feel like this is just going to be different for every trainer, every Mm. gym environment you're in. Um, but again, just with my experience. So what I do is, um, again, and the majority of my clients are coming to me for general strength, you know, they're new to weightlifting, Um, And so we do, so when I say circuit style, I'm not pushing them to go as fast as they can. We're still, you know, taking our time, focusing on good form and technique. Uh, But my standard is, um, you know, I do full body every time because again, most of my clients are beginners. A lot of them are working around injuries. You know, they're not lifting weights or getting any sort of exercise other than walking or yoga outside of seeing me. So mm-hmm. if, if I did have a client maybe who saw me once or twice a week and then they were also going to the gym and lifting weights on their own, I'd probably do a split, like an upper and lower split. Uh, but since this is most of my clients' only exposure to weightlifting, we do full body both times. So specifically what I do, uh, and I'm a big nerd, I have a big spreadsheet, I have a Google Sheets uh, where I have all my clients on these Everybody has their own tab, and on the tab has all of the information, background info on them, previous injuries, things they want to work on, goals. Um, and then I can, I program all of their workouts on my spreadsheet, so I can always go look back and see what we've worked on in the past, you know, what weights they were at, what, you know, number of sets, reps, things like that. Um, so, yeah, so my standard workout is three upper body exercises. Um, done in a circuit. So we do um, one of each exercise, and then we repeat it. So that would be vertical loading. Um, so three upper body, and then three lower body. Um, and then I usually do if we have time, because some of my clients just naturally go faster. And I have some clients that really take their time with like each rep, almost. I'm kind of like, okay, like, up a little bit uh but most of my clients we have time for two core exercises at the end i call them i just i call them finishers um so we do two core exercises so two sets of either 10 core moves or two sets of like 30 seconds of a core move so uh, for example a core finisher might be um hollow hold two sets of 30 seconds each Hollow hold. hold. Right. Just a little, because, because also one thing that, um, and this is also just my style. And honestly, this is why I love that we're even having this podcast and we're having these conversations is because I feel like you should of develop your own little style. Um, you know, I, you mm-hmm. know, when you become a trainer, what I like to do is I tell my clients this all the time. We work our core in sneaky ways. We are very sneaky with our core work. <laughs> um, because so many people, if you say, all right, it's time to work on core, you know, what do a lot of people say? Oh no. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, because I feel like what, what are most people's exposure to core work? It's crunches, it's sit-ups, you know, failure
0: or for for some ambiguous amount of time in a class where it's just go as long as you can.
1: Exactly. Like sit-ups for a full minute. And it's like, I don't even want to do sit-ups for a full minute. (laughs) Like, so I tell my clients the reason why we don't spend a ton of time working specifically directly on their abs, um, and, I, and I differentiate abs versus core, and I can explain why in a minute, That um, it's because a lot of what we do engages our core, and I explain that to them. So the reason why I don't spend a whole separate circuit just working on your core is because we're already working on your core with everything else. Um, so we work our core in sneaky ways. So that's why at the end, that's why I'm like, oh, let's just throw in a hollow hold. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the end, let's throw in some stability ball pikes, or let's throw in some mountain climbers or, uh, plank shoulder taps, you know, just, j- just like more like a core burner. Um, mm. but, but overall, my goal is that we're working our core in the previous circuits. Um, so we don't need to do as much specific core work. Does anybody else?
2: do you, anything like that yeah <clears throat> if you've only got 30 minutes um i feel like all you can do really is circuit just to get everything in um not e- even if i have an hour-long session um it's usually 30 minutes of um or like a, an hour long and somebody wants to do a circuit it's going to be 30 minutes long with some filler stuff hmm. um, you can't do an hour long of 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 that unless you've got some some long cardio sorry what was your question again
1: oh i asked if anybody else takes that similar approach of not spending you know a lot of very specific time on abs and core because you just incorporated into your other exercises
2: yeah i think especially with legs or cardio and if you're doing circuit you're going to be breathing hard you're going to be working your abs you're going to be working your diaphragm um yeah you call it sneaky ways, but yeah, that's that's huge in the circuit style workout.
0: I think a, a fun thing about the way I do it is I actually use them as a pre-activation exercise for uh, compound lifts. Um, so well, for for like you know squats, uh, squats and deads. Um, so this is actually based off um, some research that I was looking at, and just my own um, my own kind of experience with it myself, actually as well. Um, just in in that it's um, so the research showed that it allows your body more range of motion in, let's say, the hips if you've pre-activated uh, the some of the abdominal muscles, uh, which I found really fascinating. And then in my own training, I found that over the over the kind of decade. I've had the odd, you know, lower back thing, and so definitely bracing, bracing is, is an issue for me. And I think somewhere, some uh, a way that I differentiate, or a way that I differ in my opinion um, of core stuff is I think people think that they're more like, like, so basically, I think that people are more likely to get, let's say, a lower back injury if their core is un uh, unprepped rather than it being too tired. So people will say to me, "Oh, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do." Uh, you know, crazy core work before squats because then it'll be tired. Well, I actually don't think that's the problem. I think the problem in stuff like squats is that it's not firing. I uh, say it. You know, the the let's say the abdominal muscles um, are not firing. Um, so actually, I don't do. I wouldn't. I would never do plank to failure or anything like that. But a plank or a hollow hold before a squat and a deadlift, I think, are really underrated. So I always try and add that sort of stuff in, and then you've hit a bit of core. Just And it doesn't really feel like it's kind of sneaking core in, like you said, Lindsay. It's like, well, we we haven't done core. We've just done a bit of prep for for the squats, which I I find people find a bit more exciting. And I myself find a bit more exciting when it's kind of like you're prepping and you know that in your hollow hold, you're not just waiting to burn the clock out. You are maximizing that hollow hold because you're like, right, this is going to help me when I've got this heavy ass barbell on my back.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. No, I love that. And that's, that goes along Fred with my motto, which I say about 30 times a day. And my clients are probably really (laughs) tired of hearing me say it. I say all the time, we work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. So I always tell my clients every single thing that we do, if it's hard, that means it works. You know, I tell my clients I will never make you do something that's hard just because I feel like torturing you. Like if it's hard, that means it's something that's effective, that's something that's going to help you. Yes. And so yeah, so no, absolutely no. I I love that that activating that core ahead of time. No, yeah, I I love that approach. That's awesome.
2: How much time do you guys spend with a client doing activation before workout? Obviously not very much before a, a circuit style, but
0: yeah. What so me, for, for me, for um, me, I, I guess the, the answer that we all, we're all thinking when all these questions come up is, well, actually, it really, really depends. Um, but I'll go for the general, general um, stuff. It'll depend on the exercise I'm doing. Basically, if it's most of my clients um, will be, have a, a vague, it might not be explicit, but there'll be a vague goal, but we're getting stronger in compound lifts. That's very common, common feature of a lot of um, like me and my clients, like, well, my client's goals when, like, that we've discussed. Um, so in a case where we're doing squats, I'm going to be doing at least two pre-activation exercises. In a case where I'm seeing a, let's say, um, stereotype, like, male male client, who uh, their, their, their primary goal is to get um, more muscle in their upper body. So, and then say we're starting with the bench press. Well, I actually won't do any pre-activation exercises for bench press. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any good ones that you'd like to use maybe to get more leg drive or something like that. Um, but I actually don't do any. Um, so I just start them off with, I, I do like, you know, sets with just the bar as long as they're strong enough that their, their numbers are, are making the bar look small, start with just the bar and then do a bunch of build up sets. Um, but I actually wouldn't do it. So, so the short answer to your question is depends on the exercise.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, mm. but like shoulders, shoulders are huge in the, the push movement. Mm yeah no
0: so 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 if you've if you've uh i'd love to have some pushback on that and say hey no fred i think actually you know this this exercise could be really good to to pre-activate for the bench press because triceps as well right but then i find yeah so i'll do little cues in the warm-up set so people will still be bending the bar they'll still be trying to get their triceps involved for example um but yeah have you got any good ones for for bench press
2: well so it's a lot of push. I mean, it's obviously all push, but it's a lot of front delts. It's a lot of chest. It's a lot of um, triceps, like you said. And I think I just dealt with a lot of people with um, bad shoulders. And so warming up the shoulder, even as I get older, I'm 28 now. And probably for the last four or five years, I've had to do some sort of shoulder workout or uh, warm up just to be able to feel like the joint is stable and strong during a bench press. So um, what do they call it, IYTL, where you basically just, you make the I, right, Um, a front raise, the Y, which is a mid-back stabilizer, uh, the T, which is an external rotation, and the L, no, it's like a rear delt fly. The T is like a rear delt fly, and then the L is an external rotation. And that usually does it pretty good for me. And that's using like five pound weights just to, to put the the shoulder through the range of motion. Uh, get the blood flow in there. But maybe that's just a ton of years of, of doing bench press without warming up. And now I'm super tight. And so I have to.
0: No, that's that's very interesting, actually. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider doing that. So I do those exercises. Those are the sort of exercises that I um that i that i milk a lot in the kind of body weight sessions because i find that actually even without any weight um a lot of people will find them very challenging especially in certain positions like if you're doing the kind of y-shaped ones for example um and, you, and you've really got that like scapular scapular retraction and depression that can just be that can be a really good just body weight exercise with the only caveat of it's hard to teach because some people leave the exercise thinking the exercise was really easy but actually you just didn't quite get it into their heads of where they're Uh, scapular positioning should be
2: Um. yeah you have somebody who does so much bench press that when they're doing that their their shoulders are um, forward they get that protraction of the of the shoulders Mm. Um, but when you do that you're working more front delt than you are chest so you can injure the shoulder doing that but you're also taking away from building a fuller bigger chest by not keeping your your shoulders back so next time you do a bench press or a push up, push your shoulders forward and do it, and then pull them back and do it, and you start. You feel more in the chest.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'll definitely cue people to to retract and and depress the scapula um, during the bench press, but I don't do anything specifically for the activation. But I think that's that's a fluke at the moment that I don't have anybody who is that hunched in or ha- doesn't have the ability to kind of switch back to that to that nice position that we want them in.
2: Or are you just that good at teaching it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta be it yeah it must be
2: <laughs> what about for the the legs when you do a bench press you said positioning i do not love the powerlifting style bench press i would rather have someone put their feet up on the bench than for them to like drive it back and arch their back as much as they can because most people will do the lower back not mm. the mid back and that's yeah. just
0: yeah so so arching in the bench press i mean i i have a lumbar arch when i when i bench but i try and not make it too excessive um but i find you can get leg drive without having the arch right it just has to be cued well i find
2: right right
0: yeah but no that's that is true um yeah i get i get everybody bench pressing with feet on the floor and in theory using leg drive although um with most of my clients we're not like going into the leg drive like i'm not i'm not getting a lot of them to to think in that way it's just something that's on the periphery but i'm not like right in today, today, when we're doing bench press, we're going to think about leg drive. That's that's a rare that's a rare thing with just a couple of my male clients at the moment, actually. Um, and even then, it's like kind of an afterthought, because actually what's going to help their bench press at the level they're at? Frequency plus consistency plus adherence or like their leg drive, especially if one of their goals is like a bigger chest. So it's, it's a little bit of an afterthought for me, which, yeah. So I think... Yeah, go ahead, then. yeah.
1: Oh, no, no, go, uh, go ahead and finish, Fred.
0: Yeah, so just well, just a, just a very quick um, side note of, of, I think, a good way of doing it. I think maybe somebody mentioned this on one of our calls um, that I've stolen um, is unilateral work. So dumbbell, single arm dumbbell chest press, I find can be really useful for that. So generally, unilateral work is just really good for, for getting, your, getting your brain to go, whoa, okay, we actually have to really stabilize now. So you get the kind of gross interpretation of the stabilization that your body needs. And then you can take that forward when you don't need it so much because it is bilateral. You've, you've then kind of learned how to do that. So I find a really good way of, of getting people of thinking about leg drive is that unilateral dumbbell work.
1: That makes sense, Brad. No, th- this is all great for me to hear. Um, none of my clients are at the point yet where they're ready to really bench press heavy. Um, and actually, uh, most of my clients are about my height. Um, so, um, most of my clients are, um, cis women and, um, we tend to be a little shorter. <laughs> so feet up on the bench sort of, I feel like helps with that leg drive than just having it on the floor. Cause sometimes depending on the height of the bench, you know, it's like our feet barely touch the floor. So it's kind mm. of hard to get that leg drive when, you know, your feet are dangling.
0: That's a really good point actually. Yeah. Some of, some of the benches, like I have two benches in, in my kind of, uh, gym set up here, and one of them is so tall that you basically can't like you need ridiculously flexible hips. Like I would need more flexibility in my hips um, to be able to really leg drive as well as on my on my shorter bench. So I guess that's what you're saying, but just with the the person's uh, like limb sizes. That's a that's a very good point.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So um, talk a little bit about your your circuit style. Like I think you said three upper body, and then how much lower body, Lindsay?
1: Oh, yeah. So, and feel free to tell me if this is a garbage <laughs> workout style. No, just, That'd be good, be good to it. know. Because uh, like I said, this is just what I came up with based on what my clients needed and um, what time constraints we had. But yeah, so typically for my general strength clients, so three upper body and, they all comp- and they're all carefully chosen exercises that complement each other. So I do implement, so for my clients that I see at least twice a week, you know, there is, so um, I do full body push-pull. So one day's push, one day's pull. So um, three upper body exercises um, done one at a time. Uh, so it's ver- vertical loading. So, um, uh, you know, I can probably pull up somebody's workout right now. Do
2: it. Um,
1: nice. I have, okay. 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 I'll read. Let's see. Who did I? Let me say who this is in case We she definitely listens. have
2: a different way of going about it, but that's uh, good.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. Honestly, I am always up for feedback. I am always up for learning. Um, so, for example, one of my she. This is a brand new client. She is brand new to fitness. Um, you know, new to moving her body in this way. So starting with some um, elements, uh, and we've already worked quite a bit on her hip hinge. So um, she's ready for this. So for, so what we'll be doing tomorrow is, um, so circuit one, her lower body is going to be some RDLs, then some glute bridges, then some forward lean step-ups. Then for her upper body, we're doing uh, bent over row with dumbbells, um, some lat pull-downs and then some incline dumbbell curls and then the finisher i have planned for her are some ankle taps so that would be two rounds of 30 seconds of ankle taps
0: and how long is the session again sorry
1: oh 30 minutes
0: yeah i think i think when when the session's that short and you're doing full body circuit i i would be going for circuit two right for sure yeah that sounds that sounds like a really good way to get enough volume in so jake
2: how long do you do each exercise for or do you do it for a set amount of reps?
1: Oh yes, I should I should have mentioned that. Uh, yeah, typically, so we'll do we'll go through each circuit twice, um, and usually usually ten reps. Um, if it's, if it's one of my more advanced clients, that's trying to lift heavier, we may aim for the six to eight rep range. If, if we're really pushing, you know, something that's heavy for them, but most of my clients were still in that stabilization endurance phase. So the higher reps, you know, that 10 to 12 range.
2: Okay. Nice. Okay, yeah, that would, that would be a pretty good workout.
0: Yeah, so, so I, I also use um, I do use circuits. Um, all of my um, virtual group sessions are circuit based as well. Um, but I guess we were talking we we're talking more one on one. But I find, it, so especially for the group stuff, circuits are are invaluable because being able to that's that's how that's how I organize a group session. I would have a nightmare organizing a group session. Like when I was um, when I was at a small studio just running classes for them, like maybe three or four years ago now. Um, there would be, there'd be circuits with up to 10 people. Um, and I, d- there would just, uh, sorry, not circuits class. Um, and it would basically be impossible to run a fun, like interesting class where people can progress their weights. I know what's going on. They know what's going on for, for yeah, 10 of them without doing a circuit style. Um, I tried some that wasn't circuit style and it was just, it was just kind of shit. You know, um, if it's not, if you haven't got all the exercises set up and you want everybody to do the same exercise, it just turns into like a body weight thing Um, and when you've got all the gym equipment there and they come into the gym that can that can be a waste
1: yeah you should come work at my gym fred i have to write like 10 classes a week for for, like big groups of like 10 to 12 like small group training so that's like half of what i do yeah uh, hmm. yeah sounds like that would be your nightmare fred yeah. So, how
0: much? Um, how many? How many times do the do the separate people come in? Because obviously, you can run a different class for different people, right? Uh, the same yeah. class for different people.
1: Yeah. So, actually, so our gym does it is um, so for our strength classes. So, we do have a metabolic conditioning class. We call it MetCon. So, MetCon, um, of course, is sort of a mixture of strength, cardio, and core. So, but just specifically our strength class that just focuses on weightlifting. How we structure it is, um, so we split the days. So for example, like um, Mondays and Wednesdays are upper body, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are lower body, and um, you know, Friday is full body and Saturday is full body, and then we don't have strength on Sunday. Um, so that way our clients know, um, cause we have quite a few members who come in regularly, so they know if they come in at least every other day or, you know, they can choose their days. And then also if, even, so even if you did come on two upper body days, let's say you can only come Monday and Wednesday, it's going to be upper body push and then upper body pull the next day. So you're not working the same. Uh, Interesting.
0: That yeah. sounds, that sounds fun. So you can really zero in on these, in, on these body oh. parts.
1: A hundred percent. And so we do, especially with our strength club uh, classes, we do block programming. So we have a core set of six exercises. So each, each strength class, we have six exercises. You spend six minutes at each station. You get a minute and a half rest in between each station. Um, And so each exercise, each station will be again, either like Again, like whatever the split is for that day. So upper, upper body push, upper body pull, lower body push, lower body pull, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's, it really gives people um, time to really perfect their form, work on their technique, take their time. Um, yeah. And I know, so the previous two months, we were working on maximum strength. So the rep range that we suggested for our attendees was about four to six. So try to go heavier with fewer reps, but now we're taking a break from that and wanting our members to focus more on endurance. So we're telling them to lower their weights slightly and aim for more of the eight to 10 rep range. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of our members really love it. They really get, you know, really great workouts from coming in just to our strength club classes on a regular basis.
0: Amazing. And you touched on something I, I wanted uh, to, to mention actually, which is um, a, like aversion to doing the same exercises which I find I've been guilty of this so as in I'll have a client coming in for one-on-ones and I'll be like oh well, we've been doing that exercise you know let's say we did that exercise last time I saw them or you know we've been doing it quite a lot let's switch it up and actually I've found that for me I know I have a tendency to want to switch it up too much so I think w- when I, I've forgotten who it was somebody in, in one of these calls mentioned it it's like you you need to not project on to, onto people so in my head, we like, I do squats with freaking everybody. So it's like our squats again, but in their head, they're like, okay, this is still a challenging exercise. I still haven't perfected this exercise. I'm still maybe have a slight bit of fear about this exercise. I'm really interested in this exercise. You, you never really know. So obviously communication is key, but I found with me, I need to not be paranoid that it's going to be too um, boring. I need to be paranoid that, that, that it's going to be the opposite and that it's going to be overstimulating. And they're like, another variant of this thing i can barely even remember like the the normal squat like what's this what's this new squat you know
2: <laughs> yeah
1: no that's um, so fun you, fred you, you, oh sorry, go, go ahead. ahead i was just say i was no. literally just thinking about that today when i was programming for some of my clients because i'm like all right what what fun thing can we do this week and i'm like why don't i just look back and you know, figure out what, what haven't we done in a while? Let's, you know, like, I don't, it doesn't need to be super exciting for that, yeah. you know, because honestly, I don't know how you guys work out. I do the same shit over and over again. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. I really like, that's what I, pr- I mean, every once in a while I'll throw in something fun for myself, like, all right, we're going to have a little treat. We're going to try this new thing, but ultimately it's like the same stuff over and over and over again. It, um, yeah.
0: It's probably teaching them bad habits to, to try and constantly stimulate them. Like it's probably like you actually don't want it to feel like it's a completely new workout every time. I don't think that, I don't think that would be any more sustainable than it being too boring, which it's not anyway. Um, but I I think, yeah, it's, it's like, that would actually be, uh, leading up, leading somebody down the wrong path to say, well, your, your workout's got to be different every time. There's going to be very minimal progressive overload, for example, in a situation like that and very minimal like form and technique learning because these things have to like stack up, don't they? If you do a squat once every year, in 100 years, your technique is probably not going to be that much better because you've just forgotten it. But if you do squat, uh, you know, 50 weeks, you do it twice a week for 50 weeks in a row, you're going to have really good squat form if you've got somebody good teaching you. So, yeah, I, I think a, a nice message I need to basically tell myself, uh, but I'm uh, saying it in the form of talking to you guys is, uh, yeah, don't be afraid that it's going to be boring unless it really is boring. <laughs>
2: I don't know how many times I've Googled, like, what's a new exercise for this movement or yeah, <laughs> all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Actually, I follow, there's quite a few people and I'll put it in, when we post this episode, I'll put it in the description. Um, there's quite a few people on Instagram who are either physical therapists or corrective exercise specialists, like you and like. Fred and Jake here are both NASM um, corrective exercise specialists, but they do post like interesting ways to like train your shoulders, for example. Uh, Like I have one client right now who um, she's a nurse and she spends a lot of time um, hunched over her computer. You know, according to her, she self-reports she feels like she does. So she really wants ex- – she part of what she wants to work on, in, in addition to general fitness, is exercises that really open her chest and, and open her shoulders and sort of help train her up to have what she feels like is better posture. Um, so I've been finding, you know, interesting – but challenge or interesting ways to challenge her, her shoulders. Um, and and that also open up her chest. Um, so, you know, that may not just be basic shoulder presses or chest flies. Um, you know, these are some exercises that don't even really have a name. (laughs) Um, and I just come up Mm -hmm. with names for them a lot of times, but, (laughs) um, but. They're coming from real physical therapists and um, I try them myself before I have her do them. Mm. Um, So she's really my only client. I feel like that I really look up like what you said, Jake, like fun ways to train Mm -hmm. blank. Um,
0: I mean, sometimes you just find a really, a really good one where you're like, wow, this actually just makes a ton of sense and is actually better than the exercises. I have like the, the generic exercises for this, you know body part or this ailment if, if, if you if you see what i'm saying you sometimes find one where you're like wow this actually is really good so i found that with the exercises you were talking about jake you know like the kind of the reverse flies with the dumbbells or with the body weight with the really nice scapular positioning i was like wow this is actually like better than than the traditional ones
2: yeah so much more often you find exercises that you are like who came up with this because this is dumb
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to sift through them for sure. And you can't just like I think um a mistake I'm sure well I don't think any of us make it but a mistake that can be made is getting fooled by the social proof. So sometimes you see this fancy exercise got loads of likes on Instagram. I think I think we're probably all past that but definitely clients can see this and they're like, "Yo, it's got like, you know, 10,000 likes. It's like, yeah, that's because Instagram's like, you know, it's it's entertainment and, you know, you know what i'm saying like you can't actually equate the quality like that so i find sometimes clients will like you know they'll be really excited about an exercise and it's kind of not that good but it's just been really well social proofed by like the amount of likes and stuff like that so that's another another thing you got to watch out you don't trip over
1: i'm just thinking of
2: like like, uh booty blaster workouts and just like looking at girls doing kickbacks all the time like one you're working out the lower back more than you're working out the glutes, I like the glute medius. You're working out your hips more than you're working out your glute maximus, I like just the way that they do them.
0: I, you know, I don't mind kickbacks. I, I don't mind kickbacks. I quite like them. Um, I yeah. uh, I put them in my I put them in my uh, group session sometimes. I find they're a good way of some people are scared of hitting too much quads when they hit glutes. I think they take quads out of the equation, so they're good in that respect. Although I do I I can't fully disagree with what you've been saying.
2: There's just so many small exercises, like A to B movements that are so unnecessary that you can get with complex movements. And when you do the complex movements, you work in other muscles too, and you're, you're getting True. a better function overall for your body.
0: Oh, yeah. And the bang for your buck. Like, it's like, if somebody if somebody took their, let's say, you know, they took their hip thrust out and they replaced it with glute kickbacks, you'd be like,
2: oh, no. <laughs> yeah. They're like doing these niche movements that are so unnecessary come on i
0: think yeah. i think they have a place but yeah you don't want to be you don't want to be uh they don't want to be a main a, focus
2: a place for entertainment on instagram, <laughs> yeah.
0: I
1: guess. no i actually run into that um i have a client who love her to death she's so fun to work with um but she sends me a lot of videos that she finds on instagram basically exactly what you're talking about it's in nine times at of ten the trainer in the background and i I aim to never be this type of trainer, that the trainer is like, all right, guys. So if you want a better, better booty, this is the one exercise you need to do. This is the one thing that you need to do. And I'm just like, already, I'm just like, all right, what is this? Like, what's, what's the one weird trick? Uh, And I know (laughs) one of them was, uh, it was like, okay, if you want a booty, here's what you got to do. Which I'm like, first of all, we all already have a booty. So stop (laughs) with that language. Two. So yeah, it, so this exercise, if I can describe it, it's like so they're in a Smith machine. So they're mm-hmm. in the Smith machine, they are straddling uh, alarm
0: bells already going. Yeah. yeah. So
1: <laughs> I know, just just follow me. Again, this is not my exercise. <laughs> oh
0: so, no, no. Go right? ahead, <laughs>
1: So no, no, you're fine. So this person, they're in the Smith machine, they are straddling the bar in the Smith machine, and then they're doing sumo squats straddling the bar in the smith machine if you can picture that
0: uh what do you mean by straddling in this context
1: like the bar is between their legs instead of the bar being in front of them or behind them
0: oh wow yeah uh, i can't even picture wouldn't the bar just fall down or are they they're holding
1: it sorry they're holding it oh, they're holding and they're it doing, between and their they're, legs they're and then they're doing sumo squats with the with the Smith machine bar, and are they, oh, so they're
0: standing perpendicular, not parallel to the Smith machine bar. Y-
1: yes. So it's kind exactly. of
0: like they're using the Smith machine as a dumbbell. That's crazy. Kind never, of,
1: I've yeah. never seen that. <laughs> and so
2: unnecessary.
1: So, and that's exactly what I said. So I looked at that and I told my client, "Okay, um, it sounds like you might want to try some sumo squats. We can do those, and we did sumo squats. So instead." What I did was I I took two steps. Um, actually, what what do you call those? Those little steppers, those little risers. Um, blocks like- or
0: st- well, blocks. I call them blocks or steps if they're small blocks.
1: Yep. Step. I guess steps maybe. It's what Richard Simmons yeah. used in all of his videos in the '80s and '90s. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I'd call um, them. That,
0: oh yeah, I know what you mean. Like the yeah, that's very common that they're like Adidas ones aren't there. Um, but yeah, just steps. Yeah.
1: steps steppers so I took two steppers and then placed them distant you know enough distance for them to be a nice sumo squat stance for this client and then I gave her a heavier kettlebell so what would you call those like deficit sumo squats would you call those yeah
0: yeah Yeah, cool yeah if you're standing if you're standing on the block sorry yeah
1: right yeah so she was standing on the block so yeah we did that instead and I was like there you go that's if you that's basically a safer, more effective way to do that with the video that you yeah me.
0: Literally, that seems so weird to use a Smith machine bar like that. That seems very strange.
1: Yeah. So it's that's clever. why Yeah. Like I mean people, yeah you're right. It would mean We're that
0: you could you this. could load up some more weight. Sorry Jake.
2: Yeah people are trying to come up with a glorified movement that's gonna work the muscle in some special way. But For the most part, lifting is not, it's not glorious. There's specific movements and they're specific because they work and you try to do these additional add-ons, um, different variations and you end up working the muscle, not to its intended benefit. Um, you might be working some other muscles that you don't want to work. It just, it's not all glorious. Hey, but stuff stuff like hip
0: thrusts which have come out recently uh people have been doing them a lot more you see random people doing hip thrusts in the gym i think they're yeah. really good exercise
2: oh really yeah. good yeah you've been oh, doing it what Well, you've been using- doing it
0: years yeah yeah hip thrust hip thrust <laughs> the key
1: awkward. is yeah you can't you can't make eye contact with anyone while you're doing it that's the that's the hardest part about the hip oh, thrust <laughs> i must have that one backwards then you specifically find someone and just make very direct eye contact with them with each thrust
0: well i always teach it that the reps don't count unless you're making eye contact with a different person
1: yeah oh that's a good one that's a good one. or actually or you know what you could be like uh, this guy i was at the ymca yesterday morning at the gym and there was this guy and listen if anyone's listening and you grunt while you lift weights hey no judgment I get it. Sometimes when it's really heavy, you exhale and it makes noise. Like, Hey, no, no judgment, no shaming, but this dude, and it's always a dude. Sorry, guys. It's always a dude. Come on, Lindsay. (laughs) I expect
0: better from you than this.
1: (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm, I can't even emulate this. This guy was like, and I'm not, I was there for an hour and it was the whole time. And I could hear him even through my earbuds because like, I didn't want to make myself deaf to turn it up even louder. But this guy, each exercise, it was, uh! Uh! And I'm just like, dude, if you can't lift something without screaming, then either get a private gym or maybe you're lifting too heavy. Like <laughs> I, my ears don't need to be assaulted while I'm trying to just, you know. Like, they love it, yeah.
0: Like there's, there's loads of people, loads of people like that. Um, that is a
2: response. That is not yes. a yeah, yeah. stupid That is a learned response. 100% you know, somebody practicing the grunting and Ugh. they're idiots. It's
0: a, it's a, it's a social no behavior problem. that people have picked up either consciously or unconsciously. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you I, you there's no reason why you need to be grunting on on like every single freaking rep.
1: Exactly. Like the worst I think that I ever do is if it's like a really heavy squat like on the push, you know, when I push up, maybe I exhale loudly like
0: Yeah, <sighs> oh yeah, that's yeah. That's like
1: that's like about it. <laughs> like if I have to scream to get it up, that's too heavy. And I shouldn't be doing that in the public gym. <laughs> yeah. That's just my, look opinion. at the
2: strongest people in the world. How often do they grunt? They might this, grunt after yeah. they do the lift once they've done it. Cause they're excited or before the lift to psych themselves up, but they're not grunting with each. Well, okay. There might but, be. Some, yeah.
0: I, I see what you're but, saying. If they're doing a five rep deadlift, they're not going to be grunting on the first two at least right. um, but yeah. that being said I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, do some devil's advocate here I there's a couple of people who I know where I wish they would grunt more there's a couple of a couple of people in the gym where they're really nervous and like so in a way I, it's kind of like an unstifling thing it's like a freedom thing in the gym. I think it's it can really be like um, encroaching on other people's space which is annoying, but I also like the freedom aspect of it if that makes sense as annoying as it is.
2: Depends on where you're at. Yes, if you're in a big I gym, and there's a bunch of people around and there's kids and yeah. moms, don't do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, you know what? I would say also, if, if this is like a new PR for you mm. and, you know, okay. If it's like a one rep max PR type situation and to get yeah. that bar up, you have to, uh, you know, all right, all right. Like, yeah. I'll forgive you. But if you're doing that for an hour straight, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> like, yeah. I have a minivan. My van can fit your body. I will will <laughs> murder you and dispose of the evidence because <laughs> you can't do that.
0: Redacted.
1: Yeah. Red- <laughs> yeah ed- edit that out. Edit that out. Um, no, but okay. So yeah, we have, uh, so, okay. So it sounds like with, so to get back on today's topic. So it sounds like so if you are a new trainer or been training for a while, it sounds like programming for a shorter. So basically, that those thirty-minute sessions. It sounds like we all agree that those circuit styles is probably the you know one of the better ways um, to make sure you know you get get some get some good work in. But for those longer sessions, uh, what would you say? Just go through you know just do. I guess yeah. How would you how would you describe how you program your 60 minute sessions then versus your shorter ones?
0: So I'll say that I'll say the annoying obvious answer at first of it depends, but then of also course. I'll say um, I'll say uh, yeah I think we all know that, but it's important to keep to keep um, bringing that back, especially when we go a bit more specific in the, in the answers. Um, so I find that with a 60 minute session, I never really feel rushed for time. I, I, I use the breaks to kind of chat with people who say, you know, how's the nutrition going, for example, stuff like that. How's the gym stuff been going? Do you have any questions about the gym stuff? Anything like that? Um, so generally, timing wise, I'm just I'm just running straight sets most of the time unless I specifically want to run, um, you know, super circuit type type ways of doing things. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, time usually isn't an issue for me in 60 minute sessions, which is one of the reasons why I really like them. So that becomes less of an issue. Sorry if I if I missed the question there a bit.
1: No, so so it sounds like so let's say let's say I was coming to you for a sixty minute session mm-hmm. and I just wanted to work on general strengths, so nothing specific. You might so to prepare for our session, you might have a list of like six to eight exercises that you would want us to do, and then we would just go through straight sets of those exercises.
0: In a lot of cases, I would actually only have about three exercises that I'm, that I'm really like, we're definitely going to do these and then play the other ones by ear out of, my, uh, out of my like kind of pool that I'll use of the most effective ones. Um, okay. So, you know, for example, I'll only really have, especially when I'm working from this environment here, I'll only really have four, let's say tricep exercises. There's only, there's only about four that I'll actually use. Um, so generally there'll be, there'll be ones that are like really my favorites as well i'll use more often more often than the others and when it's something like triceps where people are only doing one exercise maybe not even every time they see me but depending on the client um, i'm happy to to really repeat those exercises so a lot of the time i don't actually prep my last few exercises and that also means i can play it by ear a lot of the time we'll be doing some corrective stuff um so Mm. very commonly for me at the moment there'll be a lot of ankle stuff going on there'll be you know i'll go through the kind of corrective exercise continuum um, thing of you know like just doing a little bit of inhibition a little bit of uh, like lengthening um activating um so that can take up a bit of time there near the end and i'll also kind of get a read on what either they're struggling with it in the gym or stuff that like stuff we want to start implementing for them so for me implementing doesn't happen all straight away at first people might only be doing the kind of generic uh, like anti-extension core exercises so let's say hollow hold dead bugs and then we'll start implementing in their home program or their gym program stuff like the rotational ones you know like the lateral flexion ones And mm-hmm. um, so a lot of the time those ones won't actually be planned that or they won't all be planned so i'll have the main exercises planned based on where they are in their like week split or in their routine um, and then I'll kind of, i can play the other ones by ear very consistently because I know the ones that I'll want to be doing from like the pool that isn't too big. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Mm.
2: So I got like ten to fifteen minutes of an activation slash cardio warm up um, within my sixty-minute exercise or, uh, workouts, um, and then it's—it's it's usually between five and seven exercises most of which are complex movements. Very rarely do I do a bicep, tricep, quad, hamstring type movement um, because I know a lot of exercises that work all those together.
1: Gotta love those compound movements.
2: Uh, Yeah, I love the compound movements. And as long as people can do them right, and that's, again, looking back at the activation, um, that's more of the non-compound movements. And like Freddie said earlier, a lot of core warming up, or glute warming up or shoulder warming up. Um, that's what we get in those, that first 10, 10, 15 minutes.
0: So guys, to finish off, what do you think is some mistakes that you've made? Well, obviously you haven't made them, um, but some mistakes either you've made or that you see people making um, when programming these sessions. What are some things that you've learned to not do or that you try and avoid doing or that you see that you think are mistakes?
2: Adding too many exercises. I used to to try and get in as many exercises as I could and that's not super great for the muscles and recovery and also it 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 stimulates them so much that they can't really get stronger in a specific movement because you work in all these other types of movements so Mm. focusing on less exercises and um, the quality of those no junk
0: volume
1: yeah I would agree Mm. with Jake I feel like that's also what I struggled with in the, in the beginning, you know, um, and that kind of goes back to what we, you mentioned earlier, Fred, about wanting to keep things exciting and keep people moving. Um, so I feel like most, most of my clients who are looking to get into strength training, you know, they're new to this. They don't know what's boring and what's not. So mm-hmm. I, they haven't been training long enough, I think, to find it boring. And I think that's something that I, I have struggled with in the past, but I've gotten, I've gotten better at, um, Yes.
2: Don't, go ahead, Jake. I was just thinking this other one. Um, don't ego lift. Mm. Like don't try do as much weight as you can every single time you you exercise. Which um, can
0: be difficult with clients where you haven't done the exercise with them in a while, and it, say they're quite right. new. You're like, well, really, this, in three weeks, this exercise should have gone up, so we should go up. So I think, yeah, not be attached to that.
2: Right. Because if you work strength, like the, the four to six rep range too much, you get really, really tight. And after six to eight months, you're likely going to have some sort of injury due to um, tight joints or a limited range of mobility just from doing those. Yeah. So err on the side of caution, do less weight, more reps if you can. I think that's the safer way to go.
0: Yeah, and there's there's new research coming out about how close to failure you need to get. I think I think we don't need to go so near to failure, which can be a really difficult one to teach people because some people think, you know, it's like the old Arnold Schwarzenegger thing where it's like the last 20% of the effort is where 80% of the results from. It's like no, Arnie, like <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not I'm true confident. if you're natural. Um, so right. so my my one is, um, I think mistakes people make is um, I'll go for a low hanging fruit one, but a really important one to mention. Um, is attachment to the plan that you have whereas i think i think you need to be able to adapt on the fly um you need to really be able to let go of your plan if it's not going to work if somebody's had a niggle if somebody's had an injury if somebody's had something come up if somebody's really low energy if somebody's you know if it's a bad time for them you really need to be able to let stuff go if it if it should be lego
2: yeah that's good
1: that makes sense but Jake, you're so wait. So what you're telling me is that you shouldn't lift as heavy as you can every single time you work out. <laughs> you're saying that's Lindsay, bad. Lindsay. I know. I need to hire you, Not Jake. Bad. I need I need you to I need you to be my trainer. Um no, I don't, I don't lift to failure every time. I just, you know, once you get to a number, you're just excited. You're at that number and you want to lift at that number all the time. It feels good.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. feels awesome to hit a new PR. Yeah. But Your body can only take that for so long. And how long have you been heavy lifting?
1: Oh, I think heavy lifting is very subjective, uh, cause I'm so new. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half.
2: Okay, well, you got about six or seven more years of that, and then your body is going to tell you stop it.
0: Oh, come on. It d- it depends on a lot of factors, though, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> it, does it depends depend on-, on a
2: lot of factors, right.
0: <laughs>
2: but you make a lot of mistakes along the way, and if you don't swap up your program to doing more endurance sometimes and then going back and forth and back and forth and really keep an eye on your form and don't do exercises wrong, then... Then you could probably squeeze out a few more years, but I don't think this is a heavy lifting. Is not a super long career unless you're taking some gear.
1: Gotcha, that makes sense. You know, I feel like manage though, the
0: recovery, manage the volume, manage the frequency. Yeah,
1: I, I I don't know how it is with you guys. Maybe uh, maybe we should end on this. That I feel like most of the advice I give my clients is the advice that I need myself the most. <laughs> you know, things like take proper rest days, uh, mm-hmm. you know, don't lift as hard and heavy as you can every single time, you know, don't focus on hours of cardio, <laughs> you know, walking is enough cardio. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I have one client that I, I uh, when I say I didn't yell at her, I'm not mean, but for a while she <laughs> was coming in straight from the YMCA, like, all right, I'm ready to go. Just spend an hour on the elliptical at the YMCA. What are we doing today? And I'm like, Okay. Well, sounds like you're probably a little tired. Um, So let's uh, scale it back. So I told her I I compromised with her and I was like, how about this? Once you come in for your session with me, then you can go to the YMCA and do whatever you want on the elliptical, like, you know, but try Mm -hmm. not to wear yourself out before you see me.
0: Yeah, I like that, and I, I think people people need to understand that you get diminishing returns. Like you can get diminishing returns, and you can get negative returns when the when the volume, the frequency, all that stuff gets too high. Yeah,
1: right. All right. Well, I feel like we had a really productive session. I feel like I learned a lot. Uh, so hopefully, yeah. you all listening did too. So yeah, we'll post some some examples of our. Uh, session structures in the Instagram captions uh, once we post this. So uh, feel free to message us directly on Instagram. If you have any specific questions about programming, we're happy to help. Uh, But other than that, let's wrap it up for this week. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Yeah, great to speak to you
0: guys. And thanks for listening. Anybody, uh, anybody out there?
2: See ya.
1: Bye.